Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Keynes Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, good morning, George. Thanks a lot for joining me again here on Inside China Basin. And what a series it was between the Giants and the Dodgers. And when you went into that series and you saw that the Giants only had one legitimate starter and they had two games that were going to be bullpen games and you're facing Walker Bueller in the third game, the rubber match of the series. I don't think there are too many people out there that thought the Giants would win that game against Bueller and that series against the Dodgers, but they did and they're in first place. It was pretty remarkable. I think the the, the biggest surprise coming out of it was, was how they handled Bueller, in my opinion. I mean, the guy is somebody who, other than Max Scherzer, who hasn't been there all year, Walker Bueller's been that steady ace for that ball club all season. And he's got great stuff. He's got great poise. He's the guy that every time he toes the mound every five days, they're expecting to win. And the fact that we came out and kind of gave him a quick punch in the jaw, um, I think showed really how deep and resilient and how much depth this team actually has and really kind of how what their backbone looks like. The bullpen deserves a lot of credit. I mean, you know, you wondered, are they going to be able to get through these games back-to-back using relief pitchers? And they used nine pitchers on Sunday. I mean, it's a remarkable team accomplishment when you think about that. I would think that those guys would bond together pretty well. And consider the fact that six of the first seven of those pitchers were not on the opening night roster. So, I mean, these are a lot of guys that during the season have been contributing. They've done a great job. I mean, you really have to give them a ton of credit for, for how well they've pitched. My, my only concern is they're getting such a big workload right now towards the end of the season. And these last three, four weeks, um, it, it, these games are going to be very dicey. You know, the Giants are only atop the Dodgers by one game. It's going to come down to the wire. Uh, it's, I think everyone knew that. Uh, it would have been great if the Giants could run away with the division. But, I mean, they keep winning, and so do the Dodgers. And my only concern is that these innings are going to start really mattering, and I really hope that the bullpen can stay as fresh as possible. And it just, it just makes it hard when you have these bullpen days back-to-back like that late in the season um, because I think as, as it gets down to the wire and things get a little bit more pressury uh, towards the end, you're going to see the starters getting yanked maybe a few pitches early and going to the bullpen for a fresh guy a little earlier, and those innings are going to start compounding for those guys, and I just hope they can stay fresh and continue to pitch as well as they've been pitching down the stretch into October. Yeah, I mean, that is a concern. You think about the Bruce Bochy days, and that was one of his great skills, was that he always had the big picture in mind, knowing how many innings or how many appearances pitchers had. I know you were a workhorse that one year, and you know how difficult it is when you get into September and you've been that workhorse. And I kept wondering, don't the Giants have a guy in the minor leagues that they could bring up and start one of these games? They decided you know, not to go ahead and, and do that. Uh, in the past, that would have been a no-brainer. You're going to have a starter for these games, not bullpen games back-to-back, but somehow it worked. It, it is working, and 
you you only you only question it when it stops working. So right now we're we're like, okay, <laughs> everything's going great. You know, there's there's no concern. We're winning games. I think the um, the shortening of the September roster to only two players is a huge factor to, to watch into. I mean, b- before some of the years that I was there, we would bring up seven, eight, ten guys. So you'd have 34, 35 guys in the clubhouse, and you could waste those. You could waste guys that were, I don't want to say expendable because everybody is there, but you could save your main guys. You could save your Tyler Rogers in a five-run game or, or guys like that. You know, you don't have to pitch them. Let's hell in a five-run game in the eighth inning. You can throw guys to get some work, to get their feet wet. And uh, Boach did a great job, but he, he was afforded that luxury to do that. Now I think it makes it a little bit more difficult because you really have to watch what these guys are doing, how many ups they have. There's a guy in the uh, – one of the trainers in that, in that staff is marking down on a piece of paper every time some, somebody goes on the mound and starts throwing uh, to get loose and every time he comes in the game. And those workloads are going to start really getting up there. And I think we saw Tyler Rogers. I think, yesterday when I was listening to the game or the other day, he was up for his 67th time already, and it's September 4th. <laughs> uh, he, his workload is, gonna, is really going to be something to be praised, but also kind of to, to keep an eyebrow watching uh, as we head through this last month. And, you know, at least with Rodgers and with McGee, you've got an eighth and a ninth inning guy, but some of the roles are really undefined. I mean, I have to give credit to Leon because he starts one game against the Dodgers. He finishes another against the Rockies. So when you don't know what your role totally is going to be and they're just going to throw you in like that and to perform well, that's got to be extra special. It is extra special. I, I And I can definitely relate to that a little bit because over my career I've pitched kind of in a whole – bunch of different roles there are times I've come into the third inning and there were times where I was finishing games and everything in between and the fact that you're able to have that versatility makes you that much more uh special to that bullpen because you can fill a ton of different holes you can go one inning you can go one batter or you can go two or three if necessary um and having that versatility is definitely going to help the bullpen down the stretch mental preparation I wanted to ask you about that because I love the quote from Steven Duggar. He gets promoted on Sunday morning. He hits that big triple against the Dodgers, and he said that he was mentally prepared to come back since the second that he got optioned to AAA. I just love that quote because not a lot of guys can do that. They're not mentally prepared that way, but he really seems to have the ability to do that, knows what he's doing in that way. Well, when I hear that, that tells me that the man is pitching or playing, not pitching, excuse me. He's playing with a ton of confidence, and he's starting to realize that he belongs at the major league level full time. And when you can take that mentality into your at bats and into the field every day, it's contagious, and people start seeing it, and it shows in your play, uh, and it shows that you're at bats uh, day in and day out. So I think the fact that he has that mentality now, he knows that he can be a productive and uh, positive influence at the major league level. So it's great to see him. It's great to see, uh, you know, Logan Webb come into his own and, and do the same type of thing uh, this season. Those young guys who are going to be the, the kind of the future of the organization really starting to believe that they belong here every day is really fun to watch. And I remember when I went through it, when I had that kind of moment where I was like, hey, I belong here. And now seeing these guys come up and have that same mentality is really nice to see. It's amazing when you beat a pitcher like Bueller because against the Giants in his career, he was 7-0 and with a 1.83 ERA. So, I mean, he seems like, you know, the guy that you're never going to be able to beat him. But he said it was probably the worst that he's thrown the ball in a long time. Uh, do you think the Giants got to him as well because they've seen him so much 
And after a while, you kind of get to know what, what a guy's doing as far as the way he's going to attack you. I think that's maybe part of it. I mean, you know, they've seen him a ton of times. He's been able to pitch well against the Giants so often. So I, I think even though you know what to expect, you still got to go out there and hit the ball and put it where the fielders aren't. I think in his last start, he, he had a little bit of command issue uh, issues. I mean, some of the, you know, the home run, the belt was center cut. The Duggar hit was, was center cut, that cutter. Um, and just kind of remembering some of the balls that were hit hard, he just looked like was over the middle of the plate and had some elevated pitches a little bit more often than we're used to seeing him throw them in that nitro zone. You know, on the one hand, you could look at the rotation and say, man, uh, you know, it, it was almost like the rotation was in shambles because you have uh, Cueto going on the IL. You've got uh, a situation with COVID with Alex Wood um, and Di Sclafani. You know, his ankle was bothering him, but he comes out and pitches well on Friday. And now Kevin Gosman looks like he's back on track the way he was throwing the ball, uh, especially, you know, establishing his fastball against the Rockies. So do you think the rotation is sort of on its way back? I think it is. I, you know, Johnny, Johnny's a, a little concerning for me because he's back on the IL with the uh, with that flexor strain again. Um, you know, Alex Wood will be back once his protocol is done or fulfilled or he tests negative or whatever. Um, but the, the other guys, I, I think maybe Gaussman needed to go pitch at home up in Denver and pitch in front of some some familiar faces to get his uh, to get his rhythm back and to get that fire back because he definitely looked good. He he was strong. He was pitch efficient. And I think he can use that as a huge positive moving forward because he's the one guy that we need to be as good as he was later in the season as he was early in the season. Now, I was reading Scott Osler. He's one of my favorite columnists from the San Francisco Chronicle. And he was talking about how the Dodgers have the tangibles, but the Giants have something else. And he was saying that it has a, the team has a special mystical mojo, an elevated spirit, and a secret sauce. <laughs> and he talked about the Giants being a mix of analytics and heart. And I think people coming into the year, they knew about the analytics part, but the heart part is really kind of coming through. And I don't know, you can't quantify that George but this team definitely has it they've figured out ways to win all year that's something that what you just said I mean I call it team team chemistry you know everybody kind of in that in that locker room having the same you know intent and goal every day and they don't care how they get it done there's not a guy in that clubhouse that in my opinion has the mentality of I want to be the guy today I think it's just let's do our job. Let's fill all the little holes together, and collectively we can do something great if we all do our part. And I think that's what you know they had in 2010. That's what we for sure had in 2012, and we had it again in 2014. There was nobody who thought they were bigger than the team. And I think you have that kind of special sauce, so to speak, in this team as well. They, they are guys who are humble, who are great players. You have a great mix of veterans and Longo and Craw and Buster – um, and then you have the young guys who are being super, uh, who are super exciting to watch. And I think, to be honest, Chris Bryant was the exact spark that the team needs at the trade deadline to really come in and fit in with the mold that they had. All right, let's talk about what the national media thinks of the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the USA Today power rankings just came out, and the Dodgers passed the Giants for the top spot. They passed the Giants. I mean, I don't understand. The Giants just won the series. They're in first place. I, I I don't really follow power rank rankings that much, but I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't do that if I'm you know I'm voting on on rankings that a team would move ahead after what just happened. You know what's what's funny is is I, I think that the easy way out is to put the Dodgers in that number one spot because on paper 
they do look like a very deep, thumping team with a good rotation and a great bullpen. And all of those things are true. They are that team. Um, but what you can't take away is what's going on on the field, and that's what the Giants have. They're playing great baseball. And I think when the national media comes out and puts the Dodgers ahead of the Giants, that puts more pressure on the Dodgers. The Giants are like, okay, we're still being under, underrated, not respected. And that's exactly where they want to be. They want to be that way the whole year because you don't want the spotlight on yourself because most of the time that puts more pressure on everybody in the clubhouse. If they can just keep playing their good baseball, let everybody else get the attention, and come October 3rd when they're standing atop the NL West, everyone will be like, huh, looks like we got it wrong. That's the way I kind of look at it playing out. We'll continue the conversation with former Giants reliever George Contos right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415 453 2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. All right, let's listen to something here that I want you and our listeners to to really pay attention to. Uh, it was from the ESPN Baseball Tonight podcast. Great podcast that is hosted by Buster Only. And after the Giants lost three in a row to the Brewers and they had lost two straight series, they, they fell a half game behind L.A. briefly there. And ESPN kind of jumped all over the Dodgers have more talent narrative. And here's what Carl Ravitch and then Jeff Passan had to say on the ESPN Baseball Tonight podcast. I'm, I'm saying the horse that everyone knew is likely to cross the finish line first when the season ends as now running right next to me. And I'm concerned because I realize that the horsepower that that, uh, that that Dodger car has is greater than the horsepower I have. And I've done this all year as the Giants um, with less talent than the Dodgers have. Um, and I'm not going anywhere. Similarly, you know, they, they're the, again, we, we talk about this a lot. They're the race. Like the Giants are going to be in the postseason and they're going to be a pain in the ass to the Dodgers and they're going to play hard against everybody and they're going to win uh, probably more games than they lose down the stretch. Uh, the, but the Giants have to be looked at as the lesser of the two teams and that may serve them really well and they may have the best catcher uh, or one of the best catchers that ever played the game on their team. Um, they have a lot of great things going for them. They do not have the talent level of the Dodgers. They don't have the number of players of the Dodgers. And eventually, the bigger, stronger, better uh, win. So, yeah, I think it's a great fight. I, I love I love the Rocky part of this story. That's who they are. Um, you know. And Rocky won some, and they're going to win some. And they may end up living longer than the Dodgers do, but in this race... There's too many horses underneath that hood to think that the Dodgers are not going to eventually uh, overtake them. So we do power rankings every week, Buster, and we get a, uh, a Google sheet sent out to us and put a number next to the name of each team. And I think I've had the Dodgers on top for like the last six weeks or so. 
definitely since at least the the Scherzer Turner trade. And I've done it despite the fact that the Giants have actually been a better team all year because I just thought that the Dodgers are the best team in baseball from the start of the year. And it's kind of hard to change that when you see the talent. And, uh, you know, when I say and when executives more than me say I bet on talent, the Dodgers are the shining and prime example of that. They have been a more talented team than every other team in baseball this year. And, and the record just hasn't reflected it until this point. And, and I'm not discounting Buster, the possibility that at the end of the year, the San Francisco giants are going to be the ones who are on top of the national league West because talent doesn't always win the day. But in this case, uh, I don't think that the Dodgers are going to be giving back that lead for a significant period of time at any point. I think this is their division to win. I think this is their league to win. And I think this is their championship to win. All right. That was Jeff Passon. Before that, it was Carl Ravitch from ESPN. And George, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, it's pretty cool to be in the position of the underdog and you don't have the pressure. But this whole talent narrative, is it insulting at all to any of the Giants players? So, you know, I listened to that clip earlier, and now I'm listening to it again. And I respect both of their opinions. Uh, they're both obviously very uh, knowledgeable baseball men. Um, but there was a difference in how they both worded what they were saying, right? When I was listening to Jeff Passan, I was like, okay, I respect his opinion. What he's saying is not wrong. Um, and he's entitled to what he thinks. When I was listening to, to Ravage, it legitimately made me angry when I was sitting there listening to it because, <laughs> I, you know, as, as a former player, hearing that about, you know, my team, the Giants, I can still consider my team, it makes me angry. And the guys in the clubhouse listening to that, I'm sure, would be very angry as well. Like, all right, screw this guy saying these things. Con- like, totally, you know, throw- throwing us out the window like we're not any good. And I think that when you listen to that, I'd have that on a loop in the clubhouse, just reminding <laughs> every single guy in there that we still don't have the, uh, the respect that we have earned by being the best team in the NL West and the best team in baseball. And it's September 7th today. Um, so I would be very irritated. And on the next ESPN game, when Carl Ravitch walks through that clubhouse, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, don't come over here and talk to me because I got nothing to say. And um, that's the way I kind of look at it. He's entitled to his opinion as well. Um, but, you know, like we said, the, the talent doesn't always win. I mean, we weren't the best team in baseball or on paper in 2012 when we won, and we won. And we weren't the best team on paper in 2014 when we won. So I think that you have to get, give the guys credit who have for 150 games or 130-something games now have been in first place and the best team in baseball you have to give them some credit because they're obviously doing something that no other team in baseball is doing. And you can't just think like, oh, in the last 20 games, something other than what has been happening will happen. A couple of things here. First of all, isn't it different when you have a team like, let's say, I think it was the 06 Cardinals that won 83 games and they won the World Series, or you have a team that comes out of the wild card and wins the World Series. Isn't that different than a team that for most of the year has had the best record in the major leagues? And is going to win, it looks like, over 100 games on the season. Isn't that different as far as when you're looking at an underdog? Haven't you proven throughout the year that, you know, you're the best team or at least you're right up there, you're not less talented than the Dodgers? You know, I think what you see here, though, is it's the easy way out to say 
that the Dodgers are going to come back and win. Because I, I agree with a lot, of the, the, a lot of the facts and opinions that both of them said. I think that when you look at those lineups on paper, you would expect the Dodgers to score more runs than the Giants. Not discrediting any of the players on either side, but on paper, the firepower looks a little different. Um, but you can't, you can't overlook what these teams do every single day on the field. And I think the Giants play cleaner baseball. I think they have a little bit of a better cohesive unit because you don't have some of these, you know, crazy starstruck names in a Max Scherzer and a Clayton Kershaw and these guys in the clubhouse who are polarizing personalities. Not that they're not great teammates or clubhouse guys, but there's a lot more focus put on the individuals on that team as opposed to the cohesiveness that the Giants have, which in my opinion is much more important. Yeah, I mean, and it, it will, it'll be re- remaining to be seen here as far as whether or not this team gets all the way to the World Series. But as far as a quote-unquote team, this is one of the best quote-unquote teams that I've ever seen the Giants have because just overall, with all the players that are contributing in a big way, you just don't see that often in baseball. I mean, you, what you have with the Dodgers is a powerhouse lineup, you know, great rotation, but the Giants have used so many different players to contribute. I totally, yeah, I agree. And, and that just goes to show what kind of team and, and core fundamentals that are going on inside that, that clubhouse or locker room. You have guys who are coming in, who are supporting each other, who are doing a great job doing the fundamentals right. I don't disagree that the Dodgers, on paper, are probably the preseason best team in baseball. They're the, they're the ones that, when you look at that lineup, they're like, okay, these guys should do some damage. That goes out the window as soon as you walk in between the white lines. Then... That speaks for itself. The results in between the white lines is all that matters. And you can't really ignore what the results have been. And that's the Giants are the best team in baseball. So at the last however many games we have left, three, three weeks, three and a half weeks, if this continues, all of the pressure on the national media is going to be like, okay, the Dodgers are going to come out. The Dodgers are going to come out. <laughs> and then when the Giants end up knock on wood winning, they're going to be like, okay, well, the, the fallback is going to be, well, the Giants played really well. They, you know, they, they, over they overshot their skis of their expectations but the bottom line is nobody in that clubhouse cares all that matters is they're going to the playoffs they are going to hopefully win the nl west and then everything prior to game 162 is completely forgotten and you have a clean slate and it's who's playing the best at that particular time and i think that's what the giants focus should be if the Giants are going to win the NL West, they're going to have to beat some of these teams that are not having a good season. Like right now, you know, they're playing the Rockies, although Colorado's a good team at home. Uh, so that was a big win to get on Labor Day. Uh, and then, you know, you're playing in Chicago against the Cubs team that was dismantled. Uh, but again, I mean, you, you still have to show up for these games and you have to have the same intensity. Is that sometimes difficult to do, uh, you know, knowing that, hey, you know, we've got the better season going here, but we've got to win this game? I think the fact that you can almost taste the finish line and, and you can see it now. You're in September. You're on the home stretch. I think these guys have some excitement and, and, and some, some good energy going on towards the, the, the end of the year now. I think that there are a few trap series that, that can come up and bite you. But I think these guys have played a couple of those throughout the season already, and they understand that, hey, we need to focus every single day, every single game, every single at-bat or every single pitch and they understand that because they know what's at stake now. This race has now gotten very tight, and they have to continue playing good, solid, fundamental baseball with timely hitting and good pitching like they have been all season. I can imagine that you know you can relate to uh, 
Chris Bryant on a, on a few levels because he's going to be going back to Chicago, a place where he won a World Series, so that'll be emotional. Uh, you know, you grew up in Chicago, and so when you took that mound at, at Wrigley, I can only imagine what went through your mind at that time. And then when you go to face your former team, and we've talked about that before, uh, so emotional. You know, so many emotions, I would think, for Chris Bryant coming up this weekend. Oh, there's a ton of emotions. You know, for me personally, um, going to face the Cubs in Wrigley, facing the, you know, I grew up 10 minutes north of Wrigley Field. I've seen, I can't even tell you how many Cubs games there um, <laughs> throughout the course of my childhood. Um, but it was funny. I, I always felt like I had my best stuff when I was pitching at Wrigley. And it wasn't because I was pitching, you know, against the Cubs, which, is, which was awesome and, and a dream of mine uh, growing up. But I think for me, it was, there were always people, I mean, I think the first time I, I went to Wrigley, I left like 50 tickets in 2012. I, I don't even know if I got a paycheck that series. Um, <laughs> but it, it, was, it was funny because I know that when I'm on the mound there, there are, I can't even tell you how many people that I've had interactions with, family members, teachers growing up, neighbors, friends, who were either there or watching on TV and rooting for me to do well. And I felt that I had an extra little bit of adrenaline and emotion to pitch well for them on top of for the Giants or for myself because I didn't want to let them down. So I always felt like I was always pitching for a little bit more at Wrigley for all the people who have supported me throughout the years. Um, And then pitching against the Giants, it was just a ton of adrenaline because I was pitching against um, my former teammates who I had won two rings with in a different uniform. And I think that's what's going to be the biggest thing for for Chris Bryant this weekend is going back to where it all started, where he's won an MVP, won a World Series, um, where he spent all of his career up until a month and a half ago. Um, so I think uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a ton of emotions, but I think what he's really good at doing is, is you know, taking care of business. And it's going to be business as usual. I'm sure they'll do a nice little tribute for him, but once he steps to third base or left field or wherever he'll be playing, it'll be business as usual. Yeah, by the way, Kevin Gosman uh, pitched well uh, back in Colorado with fans in the stands this time. So, that, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. All right, to finish up, Derek Jeter getting inducted into the Hall of Fame Wednesday, finally, because last year, you know, it didn't happen. And this is special for Yankees fans. This guy was an amazing player for the Yankees, a fixture at shortstop. I love the way he approached the game. He was so clutch, you know, winning those World Series. He never uh, seemed to get flustered at all, and he hustled on every ground ball that he hit. Now, you were his teammate briefly at the beginning of your career in New York. Tell us a little bit about what makes Jeter a Hall of Famer. Oh, man, uh, there, there, we, could, we could be talking for a long time <laughs> on what makes Jeter a Hall of Famer. But I will tell you a little story just to give a little insight on what kind of guy he is and really what kind of leader uh, he is. It was my major league debut, which was September 10th of 2011. We were in uh, Anaheim playing the Angels. And the phone rings, and I'm all excited. I'm warming up to make my major league debut. I get called in the game. And I get to the, the mound, and I'm joined on the mound by Joe Girardi, who hands me the ball, and I'm looking at Derek Jeter, Robinson Cano, and Mark Teixeira. That was my major league infield on my debut, which was crazy. I'm looking around, I'm like, holy cow. You know, I was 25 <laughs> years old or whatever, and my first time ever on this mound, my heart's beating a million miles an hour. Uh, first batter I faced was Peter Borges, the outfielder. And he popped up. There were two outs in the inning. He popped up, uh, fastball up, and Jeter nestled under it, caught the ball. Inning was over. I go in by the on-deck circle, and Jeter goes 
um, in on the first, by the first base, base exit of the dugout. And Joe shakes my hand, says, hey, you're going to go out. We were losing, so I was going to go out for the eighth inning, finish the game. And I sit down. I'm taking it all in. And no more than four or five seconds later, Derek comes and sits right next to me. And he puts that first ball, my first out, tucks it in my glove, and he kind of just pat me on the leg. And he goes, hey, you know, congratulations. Welcome to the big leagues. He goes, you've been working your whole life to get to this moment, so enjoy it. And he goes, this is the same game you've played forever, just with a few more people in the stands and the lights are a little bit brighter. And he said, congratulations, walked, grabbed his helmet, and went out to the on-deck circle. And in that moment, there was nobody that I, I knew there was nobody I would ever respect more in the game of baseball than Derek Jeter for taking the time to make me feel welcome and that I belonged and to just make my, my moment for my major league debut a little bit more special. Um, and that's the kind of guy he is. You know, he's the guy who my first major league spring training, when I didn't think anybody knew who I was, he was like, Georgie, what's going on? You know, the NCAA tournament's coming up or, uh, or the, the big 10 tournament's coming up. Northwestern's playing Michigan. You want to, you want to bet hundred bucks on the game or something. <laughs> And I was like, absolutely, Derek Jeter, who's talking to me and didn't even realize that I knew that he knew my name yet where I where I went to college. Um, so he's that guy. He's very attentive. He makes you feel like you belong in that room. And, and there's really not enough credit that you can give him for, for how much of a leader and good teammate that he is. So for to watch him go into the Hall of Fame, there's really no one more deserving than that man. You know, it, it's interesting. I always thought there was a good comparison between him and Buster Posey because of the way that they uh, handle their image. Uh, they, you know, they don't want a lot of attention all the time. They're not saying, look at me, look at me, but they're leading a team on the field, you know, by the, the actions that they have. They don't really like to do a lot of interviews, either guy, uh, but they're classy in the way they handle it. If they're going to turn you down, from my perspective, being in a clubhouse, they're very classy in the way they do that. And if they do have time, I mean, they'll be honest and say, hey, I do have a few minutes here. Let's do it. So I, I have a good comparison of those guys. They, they, they seem to have some similarities. What do you think? I, I definitely think so. I mean, I think, I think you nailed uh, that comparison on the head. Buster is, is obviously a guy in that same category. And I think what they both have, in my opinion, that separates them from other superstars in the game is humility. They know how good they are, yet they don't need anybody else to tell you how good they are. And they live, they, they live their lives and they go through their daily actions um, just living, living like that. And I think that's the, the, the greatest thing that you can have as a superstar player is that humility. And I think that's what separates guys who are spoken of like Buster and like G. Um, that's how I think that's what separates those guys is just that little bit of humility that they have. All right, George. Hey, thanks a lot. It's uh, been great talking about the Giants here. Uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks, and they got through the gauntlet, the Giants did, and they're still in first place. We'll see what they could do here in the next couple of weeks to still uh, stave off the Dodgers from uh, surpassing them like everybody in the media seems to think. <laughs> well, you know, I think that the, uh, the, the gauntlet uh, of scheduling is over. I think that they need to focus on still playing their best baseball uh, in this month and beyond, because it's definitely not going to get any easier. The, 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 the difficult road is only just beginning for them, and I think they realize that, and they just got to kind of get their ducks in a row and continue playing good baseball, and, and hopefully we're all uh, very, very happy at the end of this month and rolling into October. All right, George, thanks a lot. appreciate it, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Joe. That's former Giants relief pitcher George Contos. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin. 
For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.